Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Hello and welcome back and happy 2018 awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. We are in your earbuds every single Friday with all the awesome that you need to know. Don't forget, you can also find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or over on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. This is episode 127 of the show, and we want to give a great big thank you to all of our super awesome listener supporters. We are so thankful for every single one of you. And if you are listening and you want to become part of this super awesome group of supporters as a way of giving back for all of the awesome you get from our show and our community every week, we would sure love to have you join us. Don't forget that one of the perks of becoming a listener supporter is occasionally you'll get early access to episodes. You sometimes get bonus and exclusive episodes, and you also get access to our exclusive Facebook group that we created just for our supporters. So for more information about how to become a listener supporter of Sorta Awesome, go to SortaAwesomeShow.com slash support. Okay, yes, this is episode 127 of Sorta Awesome, and we are starting the new year off right. We are ready to get fired up, and on today's episode, I'm going to share with you some thoughts that I've been having about what we are going to be doing and learning and becoming on Sorta Awesome in 2018. Then Kelly and I are going to hopefully get you all geared up for the new year by talking all about energy. What do we mean when we talk about energy and how does understanding our energy make a pretty big difference in the way we live our lives? We're going to get to all of that in just a few minutes. But first, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our Awesomes of the Week, that moment in the show where we share with you the music, the pop culture, the books and reading, the lipstick, whatever it is that's making our lives a little bit more awesome this week. We're going to start the new year off with Awesome of the Week. And Kelly, what do you have for us this week? Hey, Awesomes. Happy 2018. I have a movie for you guys this week. This is my Awesome of the Week. It is The Greatest Showman. Oh, have you seen it, Meg? No, I have not seen it yet. I totally want to because so many friends have been talking about how amazing it is. 
Right. I think that right under Star Wars, which of course we all knew was coming, it took everybody by storm in December, The Greatest Showman released right before Christmas. And it is the second most talked about movie I'm seeing on social media, my Facebook and Twitter anyway, people seeing it and then coming back to rave about it. And I'm going to join the chorus here because I just saw it just this week and it is a completely delightful movie and super fun. So if you're not aware of this movie, it is kind of a, I'm sure, a loose retelling of the life of P.T. Barnum, who started the circus, Barnum's and Bailey's Circus, um, really kind of diving into the imagination and the chutzpah that it takes to be a visionary, you know, to say, hey, let's go do something that's never been done and really create something that entertains people, that is Maybe a little leap away from traditional art, especially at the time the movie set. I'm not exactly sure that they say somewhere in the 1800s, but just to really do something different. But if you also aren't aware, here's the thing that makes this movie different. It's a musical. Yeah. So I did not see La La Land, but I think that what we're really seeing is a resurgence in the love of musicals. And that makes me happy. So I am not a Hamiltonian, but I think that really Hamilton's success, I have to believe, plays into this trend of um, movies coming out and saying, let's really do a Broadway show. It, that's really what it is, just in a movie form. In fact, my daughter and I, we haven't seen a ton of really big, spectacular Broadway shows. But as we were leaving the movie yesterday, I said, I feel like I just was at a show, not at a movie. Mm-hmm. It has that yes. sort of a feel. Obviously, there's it does. it's more intimate than a stage can sometimes feel. But because of the music, because of the dancing, because of the costumes, and even the way the story is told, if you like musicals and especially Broadway-esque sort of things, you're going to love this movie. So it's just – the other thing I love about it is that it is um, PG. Mm-hmm. It is family-friendly, very much delightful. The themes in it, you know, of – being able to follow your dream and even their theme of taking the people who are shunned many times by society, who are overlooked or told to stay in the shadows, pulling them out and saying, hey, what makes you unique is what makes you special. Let's not hide that. Let's celebrate it. Let's even maybe exaggerate it a little bit um, for for the crowds. So it's I think there's a lot of messages that you can talk to with your kids. Of course, it stars Hugh Jackman. Michelle Williams, both fantastic singers. And if you have kids and or tweens, teens that you're trying to get to come, if they kind of roll their eyes at a musical, tell them Zac Efron and Zendaya Uh are both in it. Yeah. So there's, it's a great cast. The, The costumes and the setting, everything that they do is just over the top, complete delight. So if you need a little pick me up to get you through January, I highly recommend The Greatest Showman. Oh my goodness. I want to see it so badly. One of the people who is raving about it in the Sorta Awesome Hangout group is our friend, Dr. Kara Pence, who has been on Sorta mm-hmm. Awesome as a guest several times, a dear friend of uh, both Laura Tremaine and I from high school. I would be remiss if I did not disclose that my senior year of high school, when Kara and Laura and my sister Emily were sophomores, we were in our high school's musical production of Barnum, which is the the original like sort of Broadway stage version of the telling of the P.T. Barnum story. Okay. Uh, It was very funny. (laughs) I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask those girls if they have any pictures from that moment in time. (laughs) 
because I just want you all to know that I was a showgirl in the chorus in Barnum, and I did, in fact, wear some fishnet stockings as part okay. of my costume. You, feathers? Were there, <laughs> there feathers? Feathers. There were sequins galore. I mean, it was really, it was a fantastic and fun production to be in. So I already have some fond feelings of affection for P.T. Barnum and his story and what he did in culture at the time. And so I'm super excited to see The Greatest Showman. It sounds amazing. Yeah, it is. And of course, I feel like I always have to add a little bit of disclaimer. There are some things that you go, well, they don't really address how they treat animals in the right, circus right, right, in this right. movie yes. at all. You know, yes. and they kind of gloss over some of the racial things uh-huh. that probably were a bigger deal. Yes. But really, I think for the most part, so many times what we really want to do in a movie is just escape, mm-hmm. which is funny that that's what this the whole movie is about, is the need to escape and the need for there to be people who create entertainment that just let you laugh and bring joy into your life. And so this movie about that really does that as well. Love it. Well, something that always brings joy into my life is our awesome community. So many times I have found new things, new to me things that I'd not heard of through our awesome community. My awesome of the week this week is just such a thing. We had a lot of talk over the holiday break in the Hangout group about beauty products. I mean, (laughs) fine by me. (laughs) Yeah. So we had a great thread about um, products, I think, to pick up at Ulta is maybe where this came from, or maybe it was a mascara thread. Anyway, my awesome of the week is Ulta's Waterproof Mascara Top Coat. It is the Ulta brand. So Ulta is a beauty product store. They're kind of everywhere. So uh, if you don't have one close to you, you can also shop online there. And they have their own, in addition to carrying all kinds of uh, lines of beauty products, they also have their own sort of like ultra brand of products. And so someone mentioned in this discussion thread in the Hangout group that the the waterproof top coat from Ulta uh, is really great for helping with mascara smudging problems. So uh, I immediately perked up and was like, wait a second, this this could be good for me. I have I think for people that have um, eyes that are maybe prone to being a little squinty, (laughs) the way mine are, uh, or maybe other people have this problem too, the thing of putting on, you know, you get your mascara all done. It's usually like, for me, it's the last thing I put on. It looks, everything looks good and you're good to go. And then like an hour or two later, you look up and look in the mirror and you've got the smudge under your eyes. That drives me crazy. So someone was bragging about this waterproof top coat that Ulta makes. And so I took myself right on down to Ulta, picked up a tube of it. I think it's like 7 or $8. Oh, wow. So very inexpensive price. Very point. inexpensive. And I've been using it with all of my favorite mascaras. I love, love, love It Cosmetics Superhero Mascara. That's been an awesome of the week of mine in the past. I also love L'Oreal Voluminous, which Laura turned me on two years ago. I have a variety of things that I'm always trying out. And I've tried it with, I've tried this top coat with all of them. And it really does help prevent the dreaded smudging from mascara. I have been loving it. Also, here's a, here's a fun thing that I read in a review of the top coat. And I was like, oh, I might try that too. You can also, it's just a clear gel top coat. So you can also mm-hmm. use it in your eyebrows just to give your eyebrows a little bit of shape. Sure. And get them to mm-hmm. kind of set for the day. So anyway, that Ulta waterproof mascara top coat has been my awesome of the week. It's just, We're just going to dive right into awesome of the week being really beauty focused yeah. <laughs> with me. Just, just being all the things that we find. That's what it's supposed to be about. So 
I have to ask because I feel like when my mascara smudges, it's more because, well, two things. One is I still, in my mid-40s, have very oily skin. Okay. And so I always say that my face eats makeup. Mm. Like it just dissolves it during the day. Okay. <laughs> like it's it produces its own, you know, makeup. <laughs> Remover. <laughs> Remover. <laughs> and yet I still have to wash my face at night. So that, I wonder, is it more because when you get the smudge, why do you get the smudge? I really do think I get the smudge because of the shape of my eyes. Okay. And because um, of how, I don't know, like I do squint a lot, truly, with, and with smiling and laughing and right. those types of things. And so it just flakes off and smudges underneath sure. so easily. And I don't, yeah. I don't know if this is a universal problem or if just people with certain eye shapes have this problem. I don't know. But I do know it has been a problem for me since I started wearing makeup. So... Right. Yeah. Well, I think it's a universal problem, but it might all be for different reasons. Yes. I know some people just have a really hard time not touching their eyes. True. You know, because they yawn a lot. Oh, and so then they've always got the, you know, little tears trickling down or whatever. So th- I think smudging yes. is pretty universal. And the older you get, it seems like the worse it gets. Yes. So that is a fantastic awesome of the week. Yeah. yeah. And also if you're a frequent crier like me. <laughs> It's good to have a good waterproofer on. So, well, every single Friday in the sort of awesome hangout group, we open up the floor to all of our awesomes to have you all share with us the thing that is awesome in your life. So if you would like to join us over there, you can do that by going to facebook.com slash groups slash sort of awesome hangout. Okay, Kelly, are you ready? I am ready. I am about to make a bold statement. I'm just going to put it out there. You guys, I am declaring 2018 as the year of the awesome. We're going to do this. And so I want to share with you a little bit about why I think this is going to be a great year and a year to really spread the awesome wherever we go. We're going to take a a little bit of a new direction. It's kind of just more tweaking the direction that we've been going since the show started back in April of 2015. But truly, Kelly, when we sit back and think about like our world is so different right now at the beginning of 2018 than it was back in April 2015 when we started the show. It's kind of mind-boggling to think about how different things feel. It is. I feel like even our direction, and of course, this is just the evolution of everything, right? The world changes, it seems like, faster every year, every month. And then, of course, as we change, as you change, what you want out of the show, what you want the show to be, is going to change well. So this seems like just the perfect intersection of those two things. Absolutely. Yes, it's so true. As I look around and and just kind of assess where we are as a culture right now, I don't think I'm alone in really feeling like our culture is so fractured. That's the word that just keeps coming to mind when I think about the world that we live in and our culture specifically. It's so fractured. I mean, not just politically, but definitely politically, <laughs> but also <laughs> but also just like in relationships, our friendships, our family relationships, in our communities. I feel like things are so disjointed and so fractured right now. And as 2017 wore on and on, this whole thing began to really weigh on me. I began to feel really deeply burdened by 
the lack of sort of unity, the lack of people being able to even be in the same room or have conversations with people they disagree with. It feels like we're isolating ourselves more and more and more, which is understandable because as we just watch our news feed scroll by every day, whether it's the actual news from news outlets or our social media news feeds, like we want to just kind of like isolate and and get away from it all. And that makes sense. But at the same time, I really, I feel like, okay, 2017 was, man, it was a tough one. But here we are at the beginning of 2018. And we have the um, privilege and I kind of think the responsibility to be like, okay, things are different now. We've, we've been, you know, like we've been befuddled by it. We've been disturbed and upset by it. And now is the time to to rise up and be more proactive instead of being so reactive all the time. Yes, I love that word. In fact, that's a word I've been thinking about a lot as we enter into this new year is the idea of being proactive, intentional, instead of just always having to react because we do have to react. Everything bombards us with changes and with, do you have an opinion on this? And what are you going to do about that? And so it just feels like a better use of everything that's in me to be proactive and intentional with everything than to be reactive. I love that. Absolutely. So I have to tell you, I've been so inspired by this comic that was going around. I did I did some really serious ninja sleuthing with Google <laughs> reverse image search, which is a wow. wonderful thing. It is a wonderful thing. It's like magic. It is like magic. How, how does it even how work? I know. These- I know. I know. I can't explain how it works, but I did find the source of this comic. It actually came out at the end of 2016 as we were, uh, as 2017 was uh, coming into being. And it was by a, a comic named, a Spanish comic named J.M. Nieto. And it's just like a little one square comic. And it's two little squirrel-like creatures <laughs> that are floating on what looks like a raft in the middle of the ocean, and it's formed by the numbers 2017. So the one like grumpy looking squirrel says to the other one, why so optimistic about 2017? What do you think it will bring? And the other one is bent down in the dirt of the numbers of 2017. He has a trowel, a watering can and seeds. And he says, I think it will bring flowers. And the grumpy looking squirrel is like, yes, how come? And the other squirrel says, because I am planting flowers. Yes, And I just love that so much. When I saw that, I was like, oh, that's like, that's our vision for 2018. That's so simple. It's such a simple comic, but it's such a profound thing. And it really kind of, of course, reflects that idea of we have to be the change. We have to do the work to make things happen. And that is why I am confidently declaring 2018 as the year of the awesome, because we're going to make it happen. Since the show started back in April 2015, we have cultivated this idea of being an awesome. We are delighted to call our community the awesomes. We are inspired daily by our awesomes. And now here we are, the time has come for us to embody that identity of being an awesome and take that awesome out into a world that is in desperate need of some awesome right now. So I've been thinking about, okay, so that's a really big idea. (laughs) What is that going to look like? Well, with Laura stepping back from Sorta Awesome, it really does create some space in our schedule to bring in more voices, more perspectives, more learning and inspiration and encouragement to our Friday episodes. So throughout the year ahead of us, we, me and you and Rebecca, some other people that are already familiar to you are going to come in and do the thing that we've always been doing. We are going to dig in and explore 
the awesome in the world around us. Uh, We're totally still going to be silly. People are probably still going to make fun of me and my weird tastes. (laughs) As I look pointedly at Harry Potter ASMR. (laughs) I know, I was going to say, though, really, the awesomes have risen up in defense of you. I know, that's so true. They have. In the year-end show, Meg said that her awesome of the year was the ASMR Harry Potter rooms, and she was, I kind of think, handed her head by Laura. And Rebecca. Rebecca said she was appalled. (laughs) She was like, I think we've said a lot of silly things on this show, and that might be the worst. So anyway, yes, we will still probably make fun of you a little bit. (laughs) Because not me, though, because I like Harry Potter. But at least not about that. Now, the chicken thing we can talk about. But that's... We can't stop that. Like, that's right. who we are. That's so true. That's so true. We, there, I will still have my weird taste and my weird quirks, for sure. You can count on that to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we're totally still going to be talking about pop culture and books and reading. And Lord knows we'll be talking about lipstick. We will still be the sort of awesome that you love. But it's going to be more intentional, more focused on not just saying that we are the awesomes, we are really and truly going to focus in on being the awesomes. So, Again, my sort of like teacher brain is like, okay, how do we break this down? How do we take this big idea and break it down into something that is um, reality? So I have been thinking a lot, Kelly, about our awesome manifesto. Yes. Oh, I love the awesome manifesto. I don't even know if all the awesomes know what it is. I know. We'll have to put it back in the hangout group because what you wrote really felt like it was almost life-changing for me because you took principles and things that I really want to embody and you gave them word flesh. (laughs) That's kind of gross. Maybe that's not, maybe that's not the best description. (laughs) So you you gave them life. Yeah. (laughs) It's a lie. So that's so true. So it was last year in April, 2017 for our second birthday, I wrote the awesome manifesto and then Kelly took it and made it pretty by turning it into some pretty graphics. If you've never checked it out, which we did not talk about it that much on the show, we talked about it in the community some, but if you've never checked it out, you can go to sortaawesomeshow.com, scroll down until you see the awesome manifesto link and you can click on it and you can find it there. But I'm going to, it's really short. I'm going to read through it so that we have some, some groundwork to start from. So the awesome manifesto says, we love a good night's sleep, a perfectly soft t-shirt, great conversation with a dear friend, an extra serving of chocolate cake, and Fridays. We believe that everyone has an inner sparkle and that uncovering that in ourselves helps us become the kind of people who help others shine. We commit to extending grace, taking action, getting rest, and being excellent to ourselves and the world. So as I look over that first part of the manifesto where it talks about we believe or we love a good night's sleep, soft t-shirts, great conversation, all the chocolate cake you can serve us. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Even though it's January. I know, right? So as I think about that first part of the manifesto, I realize that it is really about nurturing ourselves and taking good care of ourselves. Being excellent to others really starts with being excellent to ourselves. We cannot sprinkle and grow the seeds of awesome if we are too drained and too depleted to even pick up our watering cans. So we are going to, throughout the first part of the year, we're going to break down the manifesto into parts. In this first month of the year in January, we are going to spend the whole month exploring how we can best nurture the awesome that's within ourselves 
to give us a really good solid foundation to go out and be awesome to the people around us. And Kelly, that idea of not being drained, of of um stopping that draining of our of our selves and who we are before it starts has led me to think and and really want to share some thoughts with the awesomes about energy. Now, mm-hmm. Kelly, bless her heart, and and also Laura and Rebecca, if they were playing a private drinking game with themselves throughout 2017, <laughs> if they which we were not, <laughs> but just in case. But if they so were, you know. if there was a drinking game of 2017 and they took a drink every time I mentioned energy, they would have had a great 2017. <laughs> Actually, now that I think back, maybe we should have. <laughs> Might have made 2017 a little bit more bearable. A little more bearable, exactly. Yes. Um, Energy was a thing that I talked about from the beginning of the year to the end. I just like every conversation, both with the co-hosts and with my friends and family, it just kept coming up over and over in conversations. And it's so funny. I'm going to, to kind of lead us into this conversation about energy, I'm going to tell you all a story that just happened to me. A thing that happened to me at my hair salon just a few weeks ago, right before Christmas, I know. Uh, I went in to get a little haircut before Christmas, and I went to a new hairdresser at the same salon that I love. My regular girl uh, couldn't get me in, so I went to a new hairdresser, and she had cut my hair and um, was styling it and blow-drying it. And she was like, you know, you have a lot of very fine hair. And I was like oh my gosh, you're exactly right. My whole life, because I do have a lot of hair, my whole life Mm -hmm. I have treated my hair and and tried to get, you know, hairstyles and hair product for thick hair because I have a lot of hair. So I thought that meant I have thick hair. I don't have thick hair at all, Kelly. It's actually super fine. It's just that I have a lot of it. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm 40 years old and I just now am understanding... (laughs) This very pivotal part of myself, my hair, is actually really fine. And this is going to change everything. That epiphany moment is also how I felt when I heard for the first time someone talk about um, energy. This was in the context of the Enneagram. Um, I heard Ian Crone and Suzanne Stabile on the Liturgist podcast sometime back when they did their whole big, long, it's like a two-hour long Enneagram episode. They talked about type nines being the low energy people on the Enneagram. And I was like, oh my gosh, my whole entire life makes sense to me now. So we're going to get to all of that in a minute. But before we do, I really just want to stop and say, what do we mean when we talk about energy? So in physics, energy is just the capacity to work. So I mean, I think energy can mean lots of different things for different people, but truly it comes down to that. What is our capacity to work? What is our capacity to even get out of bed in the morning and and do the work that's ahead of us? And that is going to look so different for so many of us, depending on where we are in our lives, what our responsibilities are, all of those things. But truly, when we're talking about energy, we're just talking about that capacity to work. As we think about it and as we break this down and, and kind of suss out what this means over the course of the month, you know, we think about energy, of course, physically, our physical energy, but we also have energy that um, is comes from our emotions, from our intellect, from our spirit or our spiritual side. And I just have been thinking about this so much because understanding where I am on the energy spectrum helped me to realize my whole life I thought I've had problems with time management. 
But in reality, I actually have problems with energy management. And when I say problems, I mean like I'm I'm constantly like, why can't I get not get all of this done that I feel like I should get done or that I need to get done? And I've been trying to tweak and adjust my time management systems when in reality I needed to adjust how I approach energy. Now, I know for some people you're listening and you're like, oh, this sounds a little woo-woo, or this is a little what we used to call new age back in the 90s in evangelical mm-hmm. culture. <laughs> Do you remember those days, Kelly? Oh, yes. <laughs> I-, I remember them very well. In fact, my husband and I were just going down um, the Pretty novels. Oh, yes. Like Memory Lane. Yes. And we were like, wow, you remember that? Yes. <laughs> That's kooky. <laughs> I mean, that's new age. That's 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 more woo than what you're talking about to me now. Yes. But yes, I do think that it's good to really talk about what you're saying because I think that just the word can sometimes, you know, bring up all sorts of connotations in people's brain. Right. So we're really just kind of focusing in on this this idea of what is our capacity to do the things that we need to get done. And really, if even if you are listening and thinking about your you know, how you experience life through, like, just say through a Christian viewpoint, I think we can even look at Jesus and what we know about him from the Gospels. He understood this whole concept of energy well. We know that because he was often withdrawing from the crowds. You know, the crowds were following him everywhere. And we have evidence in the writing from the Gospels that he would, like, leave and go away from the crowds so that he could spend time in prayer and really recover his energy that was constantly being drawn on from people. In fact, there's a moment in Luke 8 the Gospel of Luke in chapter 8, when um, the woman who had the hemorrhaging problem was trying to get to him for healing, and she just reached up and touched his coat. And then he said that he felt the power go out from him, which I think is a really great tangible example of this idea of energy that we all possess it and that, you know, kind of that there's a really physical manifestation of it. Okay, so I have to ask a question, though, because I remember when you first said this to me, that there was a little processing I had to do in my brain, and maybe the awesomes are doing the same thing right now, where they're saying, okay, Meg, you're saying you're low energy, but when I look at your outward actions, I see that you ran a very successful and popular blog for what, eight years? Eight years, yes. Eight years. You wrote a book. You have now started this podcast and just championed it through the last three years, so what part of that is low energy? <laughs> <laughs> that is a good question. It really is. And I, I can see how um, people might be wondering that. So for me, when I had that realization, when I heard Ian Crone and Suzanne Stabile on that episode of The Liturgist say the nines are the lowest energy, why that was so profound for me is like my whole life, I feel like I'm constantly, constantly, constantly behind. And never able to get to that. I just don't have the energy to do a thing fully and well, and also to do all of the things that I want to do. So in that sense, something that Sarah Bessie said on Sword Awesome a long time ago, back in 2015, um, in October 2015, when she came on the show, Sarah Bessie is a friend of ours, a very well-known author, speaker, preacher, writer, all the things. She talked about, we weren't even talking about the Enneagram, although she also happens to be a type nine on the Enneagram like I am. She said that she had realized that she could do two things in life and do them really well, that she could be the mom and wife that she needed to be for her family, and she could do her work. And that everything else, and at the time she was writing and, uh, you know, she has a very busy speaking Mm -hmm. schedule. So... Those were her two things. That was it. That was all she had the capacity to do. 
as I think about my own life, that is so true. When Sarah said that, I was like, oh my gosh, I felt such freedom to embrace the fact that that's all I can do too. I can manage our family of six, not always as well as I would like to, but I can keep everyone fed and clothed and keep the systems running, keep the house mostly clean. I can do home life and I can do work life, which is sort of awesome. It's smartest person in the room. It's all of the, the sort of little side projects that go along with podcast production. But that's it. And so Kelly, for me, understanding I have a low amount of energy helps me to accept the cost of putting all of my energy into my home life and my work life. That means that I don't volunteer at the kids' school like I always thought I was going to, and that I actually have a great desire in my heart. I just cannot make it work energy-wise. I do not have a big circle of friends, which as an extroverted person, I would love to be going out for girls' nights and book clubs and, you know, dessert with friends and have people over for coffee and entertain here in our house. There's so much interpersonal connection that I just, I don't have the energy for. Even though I want that, I understand that the cost of putting the energy that I do have into my home life and into my work life is that there are things that I don't get to do that I very much want to do and that would be good things but I just cannot make it work with the amount of energy that I have to work with. Another podcast episode that was very helpful to me that I just listened to a very recent release over on Ian Crone's Typology podcast was um, Science Mike, who lots of people are familiar with from the Liturgist podcast, but also his other work. He has his own podcast as well, is an author. He's also a type nine. He talked about how, because he's also a very productive person. He has a couple of podcast, like I said, he writes, he speaks. And Ian was asking him the same question, like, how can you be so productive, but also know that your low energy is a type nine? And Science Mike said th- something that was so liberating for me. And and I was just could not possibly say amen and yes, fast enough, is that for a type nine, when we plug into something that we feel strongly about and have a lot of passion for, that our energy actually expands, that we can really grow and have a much bigger source of energy to draw from to do our work, which is why sort of awesome for the past, you know, two and a half years coming up on three years, I have been so willing to devote the energy that I do have to it because I believe so much in what we are doing as sort of Awesome. It's not that I believe in myself, in my own dorky, quirky <laughs> self. Yeah, but you've put this to, into motion. So you're just saying it's not that it's you. And I think most of us understand that. Even though that you are the face, you're the driver, it's more than you, right? Yes. It, the show really represents so much more than just yes. make tea. Yes, yes. It has become and grown over time to be so much more than me and so much bigger. Our mission and our purpose so much bigger um, than just myself. And so... I think that, I hope that that kind of explains, but again, it's helped me to have a more realistic grasp on my to-do list. Although I do still struggle with this. I still will look at my to-do list for the day and be like, okay, I can totally do all of these things. And then by noon, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. (laughs) And like the other night I was cleaning. I had been, I had actually spent the whole day cleaning. Another thing is because I am a low energy person, I am just slow. I do things slowly. It takes me a long time. So it takes me a long time to clean our house. And I come to the end of cleaning. I was cleaning the kitchen. I had cleaned the whole thing, except I did not clean the burners on the uh, cooktop and on the stove. And I looked at it and I was like, 
I should really clean those, but I just can't. I'm so worn out. <laughs> Whereas somebody who had higher energy would be like, oh, nope, the kitchen isn't done until we clean off the stovetop and just done it right then. And it would have taken like two minutes or whatever. I just couldn't, I couldn't muster the energy to finish cleaning the kitchen by cleaning the stove. So that's kind of like a tangible uh, right. picture of how I, I can go really, really hard and strong. And then when I'm done, I'm done. Right. Well, and I like what you said, because in some ways it harkens back to the show that you and I did, where we talked about all the things that we don't do. You know, this is freeing, like you said, because it's giving yourself permission to really know yourself and then live within your boundaries. So stop comparing yourself to other people. Stop should, ought um, yourself, you know, doing those sorts of pressures um, to be able to say, no, this is how I operate. And this is if you operate within your boundaries and you recognize who you are and how you're wired, you're going to be happier for sure, but possibly more productive, which is like what you're saying. I did. I heard that interview with Science Mike, too, and everything he said really was so clear, mm, I felt. Mm, yes. Like as someone who I'm a seven, but really identifies with a lot of, I don't know, principles or the outer actions of a nine, mm-hmm. what he said was so illuminating. It's a really, really good interview. Well, I'm super curious, though, since we're talking about energy, Kelly, I look at you again, you're a mom of four, you have a very active, it feels like to me, uh, social life, you do a lot of work, you are, you constantly have stuff going on. I'm curious, where do you think you fall on the energy spectrum? I think I fall somewhere in the higher range. That you know, if sense. we're going to put energy on a one to 10, mm-hmm. I'm probably in the eight or nine okay. category. Um, and again, this is one of those things like you're saying, it's this process of self-discovery. You only know what's normal to you, right? Sure. Um, so it wasn't until I was an adult and really had some good friends and we started to, again, know ourselves better than you do as a college student or high school student, where you're kind of just conforming or you think you should be this way. You just don't have enough life experience to know. And we started to compare that energy level thing. And I realized that not everybody has as much energy as I do. And that that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think that other people lots of times would say, well, I really feel bad because you're doing all this stuff. And I would say, well, I'm doing it just because almost like I have to. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's almost a compulsion, but it's, I've got to get the energy out. Um, So I'm not doing it to make you feel bad. And I'm not doing it because someone is forcing me to. I'm not doing it necessarily because someone is saying, this is the standard that you have to be living at. And so then I just force myself through and then, you know, maybe on the other side, play the martyr a little bit. That's, that's just not how I am. So even being able to explain it that way to people who are maybe low energy and they look at me and they say, oh, you do all this stuff to say, well, I, this is okay for me. I'm not doing it out of a motive that maybe you would think that I am. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because of course we look at everybody through the lens of our own life experience and they're saying, well, if I was doing all that, I'd be doing it because I would feel forced or I'm trying to live up to somebody else's expectation and that's not not why I'm doing it. Yeah. However, having said that, I would think that in the last few years, I've really learned a lot about how to manage mm-hmm. my energy, yes, um, how to listen to myself because I think that the danger for people who are on the high energy end of the spectrum is that lots of times we work ourselves into sort of a fever pitch of energy right? Yeah. that isn't sustainable or healthy um, because it's somewhat normal for us and it's easy to fall off that edge of the cliff into this kind of manic 
sort of energy output. And then that feeds us into more energy and less sleep and more caffeine and more, more, more. And of course, this is very Enneagram 7 too, because it's very, that's that's kind of our thing is that we just just can't quite get satisfied with anything. It's always about more, but that's not healthy either. So it, it's very much rewarded in Western culture because you're being very productive mm-hmm. <laughs> because you have all that energy, but it also isn't sustainable and it isn't healthy for us as people. So true. So at the beginning of this episode, or as we began to talk about, like, how do we break down the awesome manifesto, especially that first part about nurturing and nourishing ourselves? How does this connect to what we're talking about in terms of energy? And I think what you're saying is so exactly right, Kelly, because first of all, it's a huge thing to just be able to identify I am a lower energy person. I am a higher energy person. I'm somewhere in the middle. It kind of depends. Like you could be a really high energy person, but be in the very draining season of raising little tiny babies and toddlers and feel drained all the time. Even though in your, (laughs) in the, the seasons of your life where you're not doing that full time, you're, you know, you're constantly going and doing, um, you could be a lower energy person who at work has to be consistently high energy. And so people may experience you as being high energy, but then when you get home, you totally crash out. So there's lots of things. There's lots of wonderful benefits to just, first of all, understanding where you fall on that spectrum. And then I do think it helps us to release a lot of our negativity that we may hold about ourselves. And that is a huge part of nurturing and nourishing ourselves is releasing the things that are toxic that we're holding in 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 our systems. This is something that I'm very much in process of. I like to think I've grown a lot in this, but I find sometimes when I'm speaking to my husband or or to close friends, I still have a lot of shaming, self-shaming messages that I'm believing about myself. I very easily and quickly apply the idea of being lazy or be, you know, um, not being a finisher of things. Those are things that come quickly to mind for me. And that's helping me to know that that's that's some negativity, that's some negative messaging that I've really ingrained in my thought patterns, and I really need to replace it. It's really hard, Kelly. Like I'm sitting here saying it. I'm like, I need to do this. I've been working on it for a long time. And it's still it's still a um, something that trips me up because I think I haven't really focused in on the things that I do get done, which my husband who sees, you know, sees me from sunup to sundown is constantly like, well, wait, what did you get done today? You got this, 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 you know, really trying to bring it back to mind, but I haven't quite internalized it yet. And I think it's just such, maybe, I don't know, maybe there's something about turning 40 that you're just like, I just can't carry around all of this shame about myself anymore. And so for me, when I come across these little epiphanies, like it's really about energy management, it's so liberating. And how do you come to that? That, I think that would be a question that it's possible some awesomes who are listening right now would be asking is, how do I know what my true energy level is? So I would love to hear what you would say to that. But I think that for me, obviously, you can go online if you take any of the personality tests that we talk about so much here. It's sort of awesome. And we have links in our show notes and on our website if you haven't done that yet. Those could give you some ideas. But really, for me, it was learning to listen to my intuition to listen to myself. And that's been something that's just been in the last five years or so, where I've really started to say, no, I want to to really hear 
what's going on inside of me, not with the external voices. And sometimes you have to quiet the internal voices as well, like you're talking about, like saying, no, I can't even acknowledge that's who I am because it's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that means that, you know, bad things about me. So you have to learn to quiet those voices. You have to really get honest and say, what is my energy level? Yeah. And where is health for me? Yes. You know, to say like Sarah did, these are the two things that I can do well, and I have to let the rest of it go. Mm -hmm. So what would you say if somebody said, how do I know what my energy level is? I think first of all, just doing a really quick assessment of, do you at the end of the day feel like, okay, I feel like I accomplished the things I set out to do. I think if you are consistently like, I can never get my to-do list accomplished. And you have tried, you've looked at like, okay, I've taken Facebook off my phone. I've committed to this much, you know, whatever, like whatever tweaks you've made to your time management, but you still feel completely depleted at the end of the day or at the end of the work week. I think that might be an indication that you need to like really assess where am I on the energy thing? Or if you're on the opposite end of the spectrum, if you're constantly looking at the people in your life and you're like, why can't you get this done? (laughs) Or, you know, why does it take you so long to do this, um, that you might very well have a higher energy level. My husband has, um, he's a type five on the Enneagram, which is known for having sort of like limited amounts of energy, but he's a big energy burst person. So when he does the dishes, like he just basically walks in and like, boom, 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 it's done. Whereas I'll be in there for a long time. I'm slow at doing things. Um, But so he definitely, although he's not, you know, what you might conventionally think of as a high energy person out of the house doing things, appointments and all of these things all the time, when he does actually, you know, set his mind to a task, he is so super efficient. It's done like that. He has that internal high energy that he can release in a big burst. Um, So I think that's a big thing. I also think, too, that all of us, regardless of where we fall on the energy spectrum, it would serve us well to look at our lives in total reality of where we are in our lives right now and think about what are the activities or the responsibilities that I have that drain my energy. Number one, if it's a non-essential thing, if you're just like, I just keep showing up for this thing because I really have to and uh, just feel obligated. But if you can really be honest with yourself, like, is this an essential thing or is this non-essential? For the things that are non-essential, if you can begin to give yourself permission to let go of those, I think that's huge for restoring restoring and recovering some energy back into your life. Again, whether you're low energy, mid energy, middle energy, high energy, I think that's a really important thing that all of us can do. But there are some essential things that we have to do, right? That are totally energy drainers. <laughs> and so they're, they're things that have to be done. It's not just that we feel obligated, like we are the person that are that we're responsible for doing this thing. So if that's a reality in your life, What I have found to be super helpful is building in to my schedule energy recovery time. So for me, Kelly, I, again, feel like some shame coming to the surface when I say this out loud, but this is just the truth. That stretch from like five o'clock-ish on through bedtime for my kids is the most draining stretch of the day for me. I think it's because I've gone through the whole day. I've, I really have pushed myself energy wise, but yet here's this chunk of time where I still have to push through and get it done. Now, my girls are older and in that sense, it's easier, but I do still have two four-year-old boys. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do, ma'am. And we all raise our glasses to you. Yes. So 
that stretch also because, um, you know, we're serving dinner, we're picking up our oldest daughter from orchestra, we're, you know, just the, all the things, baths yep. and reading time and pajamas, the whole thing. Um, that is a difficult stretch. But I know for myself, if I can kind of give myself the carrot to chase of as soon as everybody's tucked in, then I go straight to recovery time, I come up to our room by myself. Sometimes I just literally stare at the ceiling. I just lay on the bed and stare at the ceiling for a little bit just to just to recover a little bit of the energy that I have just put out into the world to um, to get everybody happily and peacefully, for the most part, <laughs> tucked into bed. Um, so I think if you can look at your schedule and say, what is the energy drain? Maybe it's something at work. Maybe it's a relationship that is, it's a, an essential relationship. You have to be in relationship with this person because of, you know, marriage or work or church or whatever. It's an energy drain. Okay, how can you build a ritual or a system around it where you can anticipate this is going to drain my energy, but I'm not going to I'm not going to keep being drained. I'm going to, as much as that drains my energy, I'm going to build a thing into my life that will help me recover energy. It's going to look different for everyone. Laying on the bed, staring at the ceiling may not be energy recovering for a lot of people. <laughs> it may be picking up your favorite book. It may be um, picking up the phone and calling your sister for a great conversation where you just really hash through all of the things of the day. I don't know. You know, as you're listening think about because you know, what is it that really does restore my energy? Okay, so now you know that, pair it with, match it with something that is an energy drain in your life. Oh, man, I love that. It's like the perfect pairing, right? Yes. You're trying to pair your coffee and your chocolate or your wine to your dinner. You're saying pair your energy with what drains you with what fills you back up. And you really do have to know at that point. Yeah. You know, when you were talking about evaluating what you already have in your life, I was like, we're talking about conmarine your activities. Yes. Yes, exactly. You hold each activity up and you say, does this bring me joy? And you're right. There are some things that don't bring us joy and we do them anyway. But especially if you know your energy level and you're going to try to pair energy rebuilding with an energy drain, that's going to take time. So I even know some people who are like, well, I just have to do all these things. They, they don't bring me, but I have to, you know, be, for whatever reason. If they truly then try to restore the energy that they lost with each thing, I think that they would see then how unsustainable it is. Yes. Because they'd say, well, there are not enough hours in the day for me to rebuild my energy for all these things. Well, yeah, that's what we're saying yep. <laughs> is that this is unsustainable and you're going to burn yourself out and you're going to make yourself miserable and probably make the people in your life miserable as well. And really, one of the things that I have learned is that when you are doing something, oftentimes, no, this is not everything, but there are some things that we do that we feel like we just have to power through. No one else is going to do this if I don't do it. You know, whatever. Oftentimes, we are not getting any joy out of that activity and we are actually not producing much in the term of effect as well, yeah. because that is not our thing. Mm -hmm. So it is sometimes hard to recognize and say, I just need to get out of the way here. I need to step back. Um, it's not selfish. I guess that's, I, I hear so many people are going, well, you know, this is, I have to. No, there are some things you have to do, but you don't have to do maybe as much as you're doing. Yep. You know, for me, and I've said this on the show before, one of the big realizations of my life was that what restores my energy as an extroverted ENFP seven mm -hmm. is people. Yeah. And people used to say to me, this is especially when I had young kids, they'd say, well, let me come over and watch the kids and you can go to a coffee shop and read a book or just go take a nap, which 
mean, truth be told, I'm a huge proponent of <laughs> nap taking. But I was like, I don't, that doesn't sound appealing to me. And I thought I was broken because isn't that what everybody wants to do? Mm-hmm. So I would say no. And I meant it. But at the same time, I was like, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. I am tired and frazzled, but I don't want to go to a coffee shop either. And it probably wasn't until my third kid that it finally clicked that what I really want to do is go to dinner with a friend. Yes. But yes. that wasn't something that people were saying as an option. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody's like, let me come babysit your little kids so you can go out to dinner with your other friends. Like, right. that would be great. And maybe we should do more of that. But no, that's not the conventional way of offering a little respite to a new mom. Right. So once I realized that, then I could say, yes, I can go do that. Even meeting a friend for lunch, even Voxer in many ways will do that for me because it is that relational energy for me that restores me from other things that drain my energy. So just knowing how to restore what was drained and pairing them, that's so smart. Just imagine how that would help us be awesome mm-hmm. to ourselves Yes, as we kick off 2018. Absolutely. And as you're talking, Kelly, I'm thinking about how earlier in Sorta Awesome, you have made the distin- distinction a couple of times about the difference between self-comfort and self-care. And mm-hmm. I think that truly when we better understand how we are using our energy, we are really better equipped to build our lives so that we don't need to escape quite so often into self-comfort. And we can p- practice true self-care by really identifying and engaging in what really replenishes our energy and not like not make an apology for it. Like if it's connecting right. with people, that's your thing. That's what restores your energy. Um, but if it's laying on the bed and staring at the ceiling, that's fine too. (laughs) Exactly. Or it is maybe reading a book or, I mean, my goodness, how many things could be out there that could restore people's energy? Getting outside, listening to a good podcast, um, going to a museum and looking at some good art. You know, that's just something so different from our normal lives. There could be so many ways that people each have their own unique bent Mm -hmm. to energy. So really not only recognizing it, but just giving yourself permission to embrace it and not compare with other people. Yes. Yes, yes. This has been such a great conversation to start 2018. I am so excited for what we have ahead for the whole year for you all, for our awesome community, but especially as we start off the year here in January by really thinking about how to nurture, to nourish, to take care of ourselves so that we have the energy to go out into the world and spread awesome around in the coming year. So if you have follow-up thoughts, questions, perspectives that you want to share with us. Uh, You know you can always find us on social media. Kelly, remind everybody where we can find you all around the web. I am at Kelly at Lovewell on Instagram and Twitter or on Facebook. You can find me at facebook.com slash lovewellblog. Okay, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sorta Awesome Meg. You can find the show over on Twitter at Sorta Awesome Pod. We are always on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. And I'm just going to throw this out there too as we start off the new year. We, the show Sorta Awesome, we are within a pretty good range of hitting the 500 review mark on Apple Podcasts. We're getting close. We're getting closer than we have been. If you have never left 
a rating and review for us on Apple Podcasts, we sure would love for you to take just a few minutes of your time to go over and do that. The thing about Apple Podcasts is when we when we get ratings and reviews coming in, then Apple shows introduces sort of awesome to other people. And because we do so strongly believe in what we're going to be doing on Sort of Awesome in 2018, we sure do want to get the word out to anybody who would like to join us in this pursuit of awesome in 2018. So if you have not done that, just takes a few minutes, go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and let's see if we can get to the number 500 that would start the year off awesomely for us. So thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created and is hosted by me, Meg Teets. Sarah Robertson is our assistant producer, and production collaboration comes from Kelly Gordon and Rebecca Hoffer. Kelly Gordon is our digital media producer, and we are so thankful for the ongoing support from our listener supporters. Music is provided by the band Prager. You can find more of Prager's music at pragermusic.com. To find show notes on this and every episode of Sorta Awesome, and also to spread the Sorta Awesome love to all of your friends, you can head on over to sortaawesomeshow.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.